We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. Today, we're going to have a change of pace. I'm going to introduce a new topic uh, I call the truth about effectively coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, mainly without needing to use drugs. I know you're all going to be thrilled with this uh, topic. I'm sure that uh, everyone is acquainted with uh, the feelings of uh, stress and anxiety and so forth that seem to be uh, all pervasive worldwide. It's a real fun topic. And uh, if I can stop being facetious about it, it's really an extraordinarily complex and important topic. I hope um, I will stir your interest. And if you have friends, family, uh, people who are feeling as if it's difficult to get out of bed, This is the topic for you and them. So drag them into the broadcast. And I think that I have, uh, immodestly uh, speaking, a truly major breakthrough in effectively dealing with these extremely painful affects. More of that in a minute. To this end, we have some uh, unfinished business to attend to. Uh, This is the 10th broadcast of the Ask Dr. Gibbs show, and for the first nine of those who have been following this, I've been speaking uh, mainly or exclusively about the um, intellectual challenges and emotional power of meaningful coincidences uh, named synchronicities by Jung, and how to practically apply them so to your uh, personal benefit. I ended the ninth broadcast, uh, thought I would fit in the material, found out that I didn't, and since it's my broadcast, I'm allowed to uh, give myself grace and continue on in this tenth one to uh, fill in the rest of the material, which I think is really um, critical to uh, your understanding of this important topic. Um, First, to introduce this, I want to tell you about one of the most remarkable synchronicities I've ever heard, which happens to be one of my own. And I say that truthfully, it does happen to be one of my own, but I think you will see 
uh, when I mention it, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive as it stands. I call it Wittenberg's device used as a diagnostic tool. The name of this remarkable synchronicity is Wittenberg's device used as a diagnostic tool. Now, I'm sure most of you are probably scratching your head and saying, what is he talking about? Well, I'll tell you in a couple of minutes. This is a representative synchronicity, one of the most remarkable ones I've ever had, which came at a critical point in my desire and just beginning to write the uh, book of summing up my 40 to 50 years of trying to understand and apply uh, the um, understandings to um, decoding the implied messages that synchronicity seems to be. By the way, if you happen to be interested in looking at an overview of my book, please go to Amazon, plug in Gibbs Williams, and look for the title, Demystifying Meaningful Coincidences, dot, dot, synchronicities. Uh, the subtitle is The Evolving Self, the personal, not the collective, the personal unconscious, and the creative process. Uh, you'll get a reasonably good overview and some um, summaries of uh, what I'm attempting to do. Let me give you <clears throat> briefly the uh, synchronicity as I experienced it. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Synchronicity is, as I was writing an article, and the article that I wrote was called The Tiger's Tale, The Game of Golf, and The Game of Life. As I was writing this article, I was relating my analyst. I was in psychoanalysis at this time, and my analyst periodically or aperiodically would come up with this very cryptic two-word assertion, which sounded really fascinating for a couple of reasons. It seemed to make some kind of intuitive sense, but I couldn't translate it into, what is this? This is a riddle. What, what, is, what is he talking about? It was, in my mind, it was no less powerful and cryptic than Einstein's famous E equals MC square. So his um, cryptic remark was, Time equals libido. Time equals libido. What was this man talking about? It, we will continue after a break. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. 
in the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. Ended on a note of my analyst, my psychoanalyst, aperiodically mentioning this very cryptic two-word assertion, time equals libido. It only took me about eight years <laughs> further dialoguing with him to begin to get a sense of, oh, now I get it. I would imagine that most of you are probably scratching your head and wondering, what in the world did I get? that I thought was so important. Now, more important is that at the time when I had the synchronicity, uh, the context was, and let me say parenthetically, here is why I think it is absolutely necessary that if you're going to get the rich experience associated with big synchronicities like the one I'm about to tell you, you have to know the context. The context means the situational context. What were you thinking at at the time? What were you preoccupied with? And there's the psychological context of what is going on in you in the way of some preoccupation with some issue that seems to be unresolved and you're looking for answers to big problems. And then you have the – that's the current psychological context. The more distant psychological context is the rest of your life starting as far back as you can. In other words, it is assumed that problems in the present have psychological origin. Many of them, if they're big, often occur in childhood, and you keep repeating the same thing on a theme and variation. The context for this particular synchronicity was that I became – I had very few role models growing up. Among them was Tiger Woods. I used to – played a little bit of golf poorly. But I loved watching him. I might add, my father was a uh, golf enthusiast, and on rare occasions, he would take me golfing, which I enjoyed, except watching him blow up if he couldn't uh, make a shot right. However, on balance, it was a few times where I had some kind of pleasant exchange with my father, who ordinarily scared me half to death. In any event, I was preoccupied watching Tiger Woods Saturday after Saturday, year after year. If you're a golf uh, enthusiast like I was, you will know that this guy really and truly is 
probably the greatest golfer that ever lived. It's hard to imagine anybody being better than him in terms of being consistent and disciplined and hard worker, which he started at age five with his father who was coaching him. It's been sort of a remarkable performance. And I wanted to try to understand what is the formula for his success. I guess with the idea of being able to apply some of what he was able to do remarkably to my own uh, self as both a person and as a uh, psychoanalyst. I want to be like Tiger Woods. He's truly a role model. So. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Horton's tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. In that context, I was listening to NPR, and I heard one day the following statement. Wittenberg's device utilized as a diagnostic tool. That was the synchronicity. Now, imagine you're listening to the radio, and you hear the same assertion, Wittenberg's device used as a diagnostic tool. I am reasonably positive that not one of you is going to be as amazed as I was. What? What's he getting so excited about? Well, I did. I got extraordinarily excited. And again, here's why you have to know the context. You will probably not be excited until you hear that the name of my psychoanalyst was Rudolf Wittenberg. So obviously Wittenberg Wittenberg has a uh, strong association for me, both intellectually and emotionally. So my ears perked up. Still stranger, when I started to associate to the meaning of those words, is the, uh, uh, which became a major synchronicity for me, was the enormous importance of Tiger Woods' father for him no less the importance of my psychoanalyst as my spiritual father was for me versus the, at best, mixed turbulent relationship I had with my own father. Okay, this then leads to interpretation. I might also add that to be defined as a um, major synchronicity is only dependent on one person the person who experiences it. For them, it could be life-defining, as this particular synchronicity was for me. And if you broadcast it like I'm doing to the world, it doesn't matter whether anybody on the other end concurs that that's a remarkable synchronicity. It doesn't matter. It only matters to the person who's having it. So I think that's critically important to realize. All right, then the question becomes how to interpret this stuff. And I want to briefly go over the steps in interpretation. It's from my vantage point, first of all, there are alternative forms. Uh, Jung obviously has one, there are many others. Um, I make a plea for open-mindedness. The steps that I'm going to mention are the steps that my theory suggests you best use. Uh, my plea for openness is that I hope you understand that there are alternative theories of synchronicity and that each theory will shape what it is that you're going to interpret and how you're going to interpret. And ultimately, we're after the meat and potatoes of these very important things. And as most of you know who are interested in the subject matter, these things become really critically important. They tend to be um, messages that are transcendent and come from seemingly some spiritual source 
and they're used for the purposes of validation and guidance. How many times have you had the feeling of everything's connected and there's a green light and it's a kind of GPS and you're on the right road and so forth? You know the common associations, many of your own. Well, that's an important, that's really important. If, if indeed you are being guided, who are you being guided by? And why are you, why are you so special? And it does presume that there's a sense that everything is connected and that you're involved in some kind of spiritualized uh, connection or you're, you're connected to some kind of spiritualized transcendent realm of experience and somebody up there or consciousness or whatever is noting you and noting you've got a problem and that you're stuck and it's going to provide some kind of guidance and some kind of um, tool for helping you problem solve. Well, Freud was uh, fascinated with this occult material and he and Jung uh, had many uh, long discussions about uh, the meanings and the interpretation and the implications and a large reason for their major split was over their attitudes to what's really going on. So Freud asked the question of Jung, is what he's saying and believing and asserting accurate? Is there a spiritualized realm of transcendent experience? And if so, define your terms. You know, we all talk as if we know exactly what's being um, discussed. For example, take a moment and try to uh, for yourselves, define the word spirituality. I think you're going to have a big, hard time of it. That's not an easy concept. And is spirituality out there, you know, transcendent and beyond interpretation so that you plug into it and you receive it by intuition and you kind of channel it? Or is it somehow connected with individuals on this earth and that we have to redefine spirituality, not necessarily as transcendent to us, but part of our actually lived experience. Now, depending upon how you view this thing, you're going to have very important um, uh, differences with respect to, again, trying to understand the meat and potatoes of a given synchronicity. That's why theory is important. That's why your assumptions about reality is important and so forth. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can just be impressed with these um, amazing events and be thrilled with the numinosity that goes along with it, the sense of being in an altered state, which is somewhat mystical and magical and so forth, and just luxuriate in that, which most people do. That's fine. But if you then go on to ask big questions about what, what, what's going on here, what's really being, you know, what's happening? If you're being guided, you're by, being guided by who or what? And again, why you? Why are you so special? And shouldn't this happen to everybody? And so on. And if it isn't that, then there's only one other place to look, which is essentially is yourself. My book, which is the result of 50 years of uh, experience and asking big questions like this, what's really going on and what are the basic assumptions and how do you make meaning out of this stuff, is um, my trip beginning with the feeling that I was being guided. I was a de facto union. And then over the course of uh, many years, particularly when I started to get into uh, psychoanalysis and plugged in critical thinking that was missing from my um, consciousness, I began to uh, raise questions uh, about Jung's assertion that a rational explanation of these events is basically impossible. So if you agree with him, then I should not have written the book. There was nothing more to say. Well, there's plenty to say. And again, I plead for an open mind. You, you're going to believe whatever you're going to believe. But I think it's valuable to try to understand the various uh, theories that are out there. So you can benefit with respect to, again, the meat and potatoes of how to decode these messages. And if so, how to milk them for how, the richness that I think that they uh, contain. So back to um, the uh, decoding. Before I do that, let me again indicate that with respect to uh, theories, there are basically two. There's the Jungian 
and then there's the inferred combination of Freud and Williams. I have a table, which I went over, but I want to go over again because I think these are the kinds of um, concerns that everybody should have if you're going to make a serious um, investigation of these things. This is, let's call it an implications table. So I have a number of um, overview ways of conceiving these things, such as what's the source of knowledge, the location, the method of transmission, the implications for change and changing, the meaning of these things, uh, the relationship between synchronicities and your consciousness, the relationship of these things and yourself, and if you were in therapy, the role of the therapist. Now, just briefly, this, with respect to the source of knowledge, Jung's source would be archetypal knowledge. Mine would be their messages generated by yourself. In terms of location, Jung says they're transcendent to the person. They, they are above interpretation. They're just there, and you plug into them. Mine is they're inside, and um, you always bring something of interpretation of yourself to understanding the nature of the given synchronicity. With respect to method of transmission, the method that Jung would use is these things are revealed. They're unmediated. You don't think about them. They're intuited. They're channeled. From mine is they're experienced. They're the result of working through, which is the result of struggling with struggle to understand a, um, to arrive at a solution to a problem step by step. It isn't just you got a problem, you just don't instantly have a uh, experience of the answer. You got to work at it. We will continue on in a couple minutes. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. 
Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash Exxon and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs show. Carrying on, another... um, Organizing concept is the idea of change. In the Jungian view, it's instant and permanent. In my view, it's the result of struggling with struggle over time. With respect to meaning, uh, Jung would say that you're plugging into a realm of absolute meaning that is transcendent to individual interpretation. Mine is relative to the observer. With respect to consciousness, He thinks that the collective unconscious is the key to unlocking the uh, complexities of a given synchronicity. Mine is a combination of your personal consciousness along with what I call the collective consciousness, not the collective unconscious, but the collective consciousness. With respect to yourself, he believes that there's a preformed self before birth, which upon birth splits up and your job is to reconcile the splits and get back to a sense of unity. Uh, I guess you would call it perfection or a sense of uh, individuation. Mine is that the self is not preformed. It's uh, a dizzy array of uh, feelings and emotions and primary pre-thought processes and so forth, which has to be gradually um, learned in the context of a trusting, loving relationship and through that, you begin to uh, also bearing um, frustration and anxiety, you in effect create your own sense of self-structure. Um, just a moment, if anybody is in therapy, I believe that the role of the therapist with respect to a union position would be that you and the therapist co-create uh, a synchronicity. Whereas I think this is one of the times where the therapist should really keep their own particular thoughts out of the picture. And in so doing, you encourage the patient to be as creative as possible. All right. The highlights of my um, theory that to cut to the chase, the fertile conditions for synchronicities to arise are when a person experiences an overwhelming problem and, they tr- and no matter what they've tried to uh, resolve or bring to resolution, nothing works. So they feel quintessentially stuck in a major impasse, and it usually takes the form of some issue of identity and or harnessing energy to um, have some kind of meaningful relationship, possibly personal with a, uh, a partner, a search for a wife or husband, a search for a meaningful job, and so forth stuck in those two areas. So I call it psychological gridlock. The attitude to the stuckness is most crucial. With many people, they just simply give up. Um, They don't care. They act randomly. They react to experience. That is contrasted with an attitude of persisting to struggle with struggle with the hope that even though a problem seems impossible, that you're going to persist in finding a solution. And I believe that this attitude is critical because it turns on what I imagine, what I think, or what I am conjecturing is everybody's idiosyncratic creative process. I'm not going to go over the details of that process. Um, 
uh, I've written papers on it. You may want to go to uh, gibsonline.com, my website. There are a number of papers I've written on this topic, uh, such as um, uh, towards a uh, something to the effect of towards a understanding of um, a science of uh, synchronicities and so forth, where I detail what I think is the creative process. In any event, once that creative process results in um, what I refer to as a psychological scavenger hunt where you're collecting uh, clues from whatever you hear or see or whatever, and you put it into a journal, and these clues act as if they're like pieces of a complex jigsaw puzzle. And when you put them, the pieces that you've collected into a frame, and they eventually form a recognizable pattern, that recognizable pattern is going to be in the form of a synchronicity, which is, in fact, a marker of your impossible-to-solve problem resolved. And since it's uh, like a dream, it's still further you need to be able to decode it. And I think if you treat it like a um, live dream or a waking dream, uh, that's the key to unlocking the um, kernel of uh, the benefit of the hidden message. The um, Back to interpretation. It's really pretty simple from my vantage point. We know that all synchronicities differ, but they all have a common structure. Briefly, you have an internal event, A, that is somehow linked to an external event, let's call it A prime. And the two events are experienced as exceedingly meaningful, but apparently uncaused. And another requirement to be a synchronicity is that the two events, which are equivalent in meaning, also happen in time. If they're not simultaneously occurring, they're close enough in time where you scratch your head and you, this is where probability theory comes into the picture. So, you know, the usual thing is you had a girlfriend uh, 35 years ago and you're thinking about her somehow or other, phone rings, guess who's on the other end of the telephone, and you say, that's remarkable. Isn't that amazing? And the probability of that is, you know, pretty low. So you think there's something that must be afoot here that is uh, remarkable and then it stirs your curiosity and that you either bathe in the remarkableness of it and or it challenges to start asking big questions about what's really going on. And then if you do like me and obsessed with this kind of thing, over 45 years, you invent your new, your own theory. Um, steps. Since each steps of interpretation, since each um, synchronicity has a common structure, you want to first be able to identify the internal event that's connected with some external event that's very meaningful. So back to my Tiger Woods thing. The inner event was um, my experience of the inner event was my uh, perplexity in trying to uh, come to terms with how to ma I make myself into a um, disciplined person um, and be like Tiger Woods. What's his secret of success? Via my experience of being in psychoanalysis, which I, which I entered trying to do exactly the same thing. I wanted to have the good life and I wanted to know who I was and how to harness my energies to uh, do my thing, whatever that was, and so forth. So the name Wittenberg is obviously exceedingly important. I'm with my analyst Wittenberg, and over the NPR comes the um, name Wittenberg in a very specific, concrete way that Wittenberg is used as a diagnostic tool. Um, diagnostic tool. All right, what is that all about? Well. The main reason why I was in therapy was to have somebody who understood me more than I could understand myself and help me to gain important self-knowledge to be able to be put to having a meaningful life. So it became – that was really very important. The diagnostic tool part was associated essentially with that cryptic phrase of his, time equals libido. 
to cut to the chase without getting a huge big interpretation, which you can see in my book if you wish to follow it, I began to really carefully look at what's the meaning of time and its importance to me and what's libido. Libido essentially is life force. Time, I would have thought initially, was linear time, clock time. It was interesting when I first went into analysis, I never wore a watch and I couldn't, I didn't like to wear a watch because I felt limited by linear time. I wanted to feel free as if I were a child and had no restrictions in terms of uh, discipline and time. And that became a major battle. I discovered in the quest of uh, self-knowledge that I was really battling a wish to be a little boy starting over again versus wanting to be a man who could, um, you know, be in the world and practical and have to be able to uh, be limited by time and so forth. I wanted both, and it seemed like it was mutually exclusive. I was either in one or the other. I learned you can have both, but you, be, you have to be able to be conscious of which is which and make conscious choices. The idea of time equals libido implies there is no time. If time be thought of as clock time, clock time is just a simple convenience to, for all of us to be able to know that on, at a certain time, if you want to hear this broadcast, you've you got to know the time and be able to tune in and listen to the broadcast. We do that as a convenient way of organizing experience, so we're not pell-mell and just reactive. But if there really is no time, time is really timeless. There just is an ongoing presence. Then what about libido? Well, if you eliminate clock time, then and you have just libido remaining, then you just have life force. And the critical part about that is that you determine, the individual determines what to do with the, the libido that you have, and that means making choices. So we fill up empty space with the choices that we make on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, a minute-to-minute basis. We choose to act or react to whatever it is that we choose to act or react to, and that's life. And a large part of reacting to anything is that as human beings, we tend to have issues, problems in which we feel stuck from time to time. Life could be viewed as an endless array of one problem after the other. It's true. So that part of the solution to having the good life, it would seem to me, is to become um, aware of how to be a really proficient uh, problem solver. Now that gets back to my experience of synchronicities. I think if you take this thing really seriously, it addresses what I think are the two major problems of being alive. A, is there an ultimate meaning for your my life and how do you know it? And I think there are essentially two pathways. Either you're predestined to, there's, all, there's already a, an ultimate meaning, which Jung would say, and you got to go reconnect with it. And that's his idea of uh, plugging in the spiritual part of being alive, to fill in or to become aware of your ultimate meaning. Versus, there is no ultimate meaning. You've got to figure it out for yourself. It's up to you. It, it means or doesn't mean whatever you bring to it. And then the second issue connected with um, I think the major benefits of getting immersed in understanding your own synchronicities and others is that it um, – what is it? It's not funny. It's in my mind and out of my mind. Um, ultimate meaning – not funny. I, I am drawing a blank, which I – experience as perfectly okay. Um, Let me just sit with that for a second. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a moment.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I was able to uh, recover my thought, and the second 
major question, perhaps the most major question of all is, who is your final authority? And I think the two pathways are either your final authority is some projection of yours onto somebody other than yourself as your final authority, so it could be God, master teachers, uh, dead people who send you messages, um, the unus mundus, uh, Jung's concept of absolute knowledge, archetypal consciousness, and so forth, or you're only left with you, that you are your own final authority. And obviously, from my vantage point, whether you like it or not, you're stuck with it. Now, that has critical implications for being alive. It means we all know how, the, how life ends. We die. Uh, we know we're alive. We have a realization of death, which you may or may not be interested in, in thinking about, and you have your own uh, fantasies about what's going to happen after you're dead. Some people believe there's consciousness that continues on, at which point you're not really dead. You're just alive in a different form or whatever. But we, we don't know. So that from that vantage point, we are all equal participants in this mystery of being alive and to some extent being conscious, some of us, and that if you have a sense of consciousness, then you're able to talk about this with some degree of intelligence and objectivity. And then in trying to understand, well, what's the meaningful life? I've already indicated that part of it, I think, is how to become a proficient problem solver, because that's a lot of what life is all about. That directly gets back into my theories of synchronicities, because if nothing else, I believe these things start out in the context of being you know, involved in a major um, psychological impasse in which you have a big problem and you want to solve it. So that if you take responsibility for being your own final authority, then you're going to be forced to try to have some idea of what makes you tick. So this gets back into a pursuit of self-knowledge. I hope you begin to see where I'm coming from. That this is, you know, a, a sort of magical, mystical um, excitement of having these, you know, grand experiences. That's fine, but what really lights me up, beside all that, and I like that feeling, is the implications of a pathway to possibly learning what makes me and other people tick, so that you can begin to have some sense of how you individually deal with this mystery we call life. So it's a, I think it's a really big deal and exciting. And as I said before, just as you think you've got your hands around the whole thing, it seems to elude me and there's always some new wrinkle and so on. My um, conclusion to what I um, wrote in my book is with respect to these two paths of either predestination or you create your own path. There's a very nice poem by Ralph Waldo Emerson in which he says, do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Depending upon your particular theory of synchronicity, you're either going to follow some pathway that's already there or you're going to make your own. Your choice, you'll do what you want to do. I just wanted to be able to present alternative uh, pathways. On to the next topic of which we're going to run out of time very shortly, but I want to introduce it which is coping, effective coping, or the truth about coping with uh, such negative uh, feelings as anxiety, depression, stress, and frustration, often without the use of medication. And there's a nice segue from the synchronicity topic to this topic, meaning that when you find yourself stuck, you got a major impasse. I've said that if you can persist and press on, then you're going to uh, stimulate what I think is your own creative process with the hope of uh, eventually having um, resolutions, often in the form of synchronicities. Well, that's a nice idea, but for many people when they're stuck, their attitude to stuckness is more stuckness. Why? Because as Kierkegaard says, to venture is to create, is to cause anxiety, and anxiety hurts. And most people's experiences of anxiety, along with other so-called negative affects, such as depression and stress and not knowing and feeling weak, and there's a whole you know, array of these feelings, 
which most people hate. And they sort of succumb. It's as if they're meeting bullies on the road, and in order, and, and instead of you know challenging them, challenge them, they feel defeated and overwhelmed, and then they're in a psychological hole. They're in the mud, and what they try to do often is to take a shovel and dig themselves out. But the truth of it is, when they start to dig mud, you just get deeper and deeper and deeper. Many patients become patients in therapy because they find themselves absolutely overwhelmed by these feelings of stress and anxiety and depression and so forth. And they come in seeking some kind of tools or at least understanding as to how to get themselves out of feeling entrapped and, 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 and out of the mud. Um, this is what is going to preoccupy us for the next few weeks. I think it's an extraordinarily important topic. Uh, I urge once again, uh, you, if you have friends, I mean, who, who doesn't have these kind of uh, experiences? It's all over the place. And I think I truly have a breakthrough attitude or method to help you deal with these things in which, um, well, let me say, if you listen to TV on a regular basis, you're going to see that there's an, a, an avalanche of drug ads drug ads that make it appear that anxiety, depression, tension, and so forth are pathological symptoms caused by a chemical imbalance, and they urge you to call your doctor and to uh, have him prescribe the uh, pill of the week, and uh, you'll be fine. And uh, I, in my research of this topic over some time, personally and professionally, I find this attitude of the drug companies absolutely reprehensible. If they want to find medical costs uh, go down rapidly, you listen carefully to my solution and I will guarantee that in probably a month's time, and it's a bold assertion, but it's really true. It has worked with both me and the many of the patients that I treat in psychoanalysis, that if you go along with my point of view, you're going to discover that these symptoms are not pathological. They are normal reactions to life limitations, every one of them. So you need to learn how to cope. And learning how to cope is not all that complicated. And I will go into that in some detail and offer you some concrete uh, ways of doing this. The other basic approach to coping with these things is through a bunch of exercises, uh, like meditation and so forth. And they're all good. They work. But the trouble is they tend to have uh, temporary gains, and <clears throat> once again, uh, it, benefits tend to wear off. And um, again, once again, I will provide a way of dealing with these things that is really pretty radical but works. Essentially, instead of circle, circling symptoms, my approach is identifying the underlying causes of these things. And once you can do that, then you can put your uh, interest, your libido, uh, your full measure of trying to understand these things uh, like a laser beam. And you'll be able to – once there's a, an identification of a, of a major problem, then the solution is fix the problem. The issue is to try to understand the major problem underlying these what I believe are normal feelings. Characteristic attitudes to these feelings in subsequent shows will be examined. Additionally, powerful organizing theories and principles and concepts will be offered in the service of providing a drug-free alternative for effectively coping with these natural and inevitable painful experiences. What I would like you to do is to, if you're stimulated by this, write out your experience of these things. You've all had them. I'm particularly interested in your attitude towards them and methods which you have used or tried to use to cope with them. Some have used drugs, some use relaxation exercises, meditation, and so forth. If you write them out, send them to me. I will mention some of them on the, in subsequent radio programs. And I'm sure if you're going to respond to me, you're going to pick up on the fact that probably none of these things last and you need something else. If you will also include what do you think is missing? What do you need to be able to effectively cope with these things? What would effective coping mean? Kierkegaard, who I value, 
wrote in a very important book, probably the beginning of research on the truth about anxiety, said, to venture is to cause anxiety. Not to venture is not to have control of yourself. Now that is really important because what he is saying is, like at the impasse, the, the key to this, to successful coping is to be able to have a good positive attitude towards being stuck. Most people, people's attitude is to avoid the feeling, and that's why popping a pill or smoking dope or what have you is often appealing because these things are unpleasurable. They're, they're felt as annoyances, intrusions, painful. And most people are pro-pleasure and they've tried to avoid pain, understandably. But to cut to the chase, I have found that the key to success is to stand up and face the pain and learn how to tolerate it. And in so doing, it leads to an experience of creating a cohesive self-structure, which is able to learn how to bear increasing dosages of these painful affect. We will go into that in some detail as we progress on. But seriously, I hope that this will stimulate you to not turn the radio off, but to try to gain knowledge of yourself which in a without using drugs to master these painful affects. It's been a pleasure. I hope uh, to uh, s speak with you all next time.